we gather in the name of the one holy, living, and loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, today we gather with heavy hearts, mourning the death of Aaron Bailey, who was killed earlier this week here in Indianapolis by an IMPD officer. Aaron Bailey attended Christ Church Cathedral and our hearts and love are with his family and our brothers and sisters of the cathedral as they mourn his death. We also saw the death of Bianca Roberson, an 18-year-old recent high school graduate who shot to death outside of Philadelphia earlier this week. There's two more examples of lives cut tragically short by gun violence and fear. We pray the Lord to give the departed eternal rest and let perpetual light shine upon them. Yet in the midst of our mourning and sorrow, we encounter another incredibly important story from Genesis today. The binding of Isaac, which essentially follows the story of Abraham and Sarah banishing Hagar and Ishmael. Now I realize that not only does the lectionary split these two stories up, the text even has an interlude uh, of the story of the covenant between Abraham and Abimelech, but these stories are really linked. They are one story. And in the first half of that story, Abraham and Sarah are faced with what is a difficult situation in both their culture and their context. How do you deal with these two sons in a culture where property, familial identity, and economic survival are tied to birth order? And now that Isaac is around, Ishmael is no longer needed to ensure that Abraham's line continues. And in fact, his very existence is both problematic for Abraham and for Isaac. Now, society and its cultural expectations put them in this position where they are forced to make a horrific decision. Now, on the one hand, the biblical writers find this to be normative in their culture, but they do place the blame with Sarah. Now, there is a very important discussion to have about why this is such a glaring example of sexism and bias against Sarah, but unfortunately, we're gonna have to set that aside for today um, but it's not sufficient to say that Sarah is at fault and Abraham and the culture are innocent. So what I will point us to is the choice that is before them. The text alludes to it in the first half in verse 11. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. Yeah, I bet it really was. But clearly, it wasn't distressing enough for Abraham to push back on the expectations of his culture and to be guided by mercy. So they make this decision that fits with the cultural norm. Isaac's inheritance must be preserved for the sake of the entire family system. Now, this makes sense from a certain perspective, even within the promise of God. God has promised them progeny, descendants as numerous as the stars, and a true homeland. Even with Abraham and Sarah being impatient and taking matters into their own hands. 
So they face this decision. Do you choose to be merciful to the members of your family who have sacrificed for you and served you? Or do you look at your own needs and banish them knowing that sending them into the wilderness means certain death? So after that short interlude story, we move into the second half of our story, the text for today. Now, Abraham is on the other side of this issue. He is to sacrifice the son that he has chosen. I find this text haunting as the, the drama builds. The party walks for three days. You just imagine how Abraham is feeling at this point, knowing what he must do. And what about Isaac when it dawns on him that something is terribly wrong? And Abraham tells him that God will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. Or even better yet, look back at the first half of the story. How about Hagar and Ishmael when the water runs out and she places him under the tree? So mercy evades us in the first part of the story as Hagar and Ishmael are cast out, sentenced to a certain and brutal death in the desert. But in both texts, mercy is from God. Just like in the Cain and Abel story, God responds to our inability to show mercy with nothing but mercy. The God that is powerful enough to send the many plagues upon the Egyptians to free the Israelites, to part the Red Sea, to raise Christ from the dead, heal seemingly any illness that we see in scripture, even to form the heavens and the earth in creation, shows mercy. First, with saving Hagar and Ishmael, and then saving not only Isaac from death, but Abraham from the scar of sacrificing his own son. There's even a, a tie into the gospel today too. Jesus does the same thing. At the end of this very long discussion in Matthew 10 that we've heard over the past few weeks, includes the use of the sword and showcasing the conflict that is to come. It ends with giving a glass of cold water. Mercy. Show it individually, no matter how difficult the situation, but show it communally as well, for justice and mercy are entwined, despite how our culture seems to see justice as meeting show no mercy. Unfortunately, this week we saw yet more examples of how we struggle with justice and mercy in our society today. We watch in horror as the debate rages about health care, where the life and death of people comes down to money and politics, justice and mercy. Where clean and safe water take a backseat to corporate profits and lower taxes, where we find GoFundMe sites needed for individuals even with health care to pay for their medical bills. Justice and mercy. Where the criminal justice system not only executes men and women, but black and brown men are killed at a staggering rate, along with sentences that are disproportionately long when compared to Anglo men. Justice 
and mercy. As if the acquittal of an officer in the shooting death of Philando Castile, despite Philando being unarmed and complying with the instructions of the officer, justice and mercy. Where an ad from a certain lobbying group promotes the arming of our citizens who disagree and protest, seeking justice for unarmed black men killed by police. Justice and mercy. My friends, the death of Aaron Bailey is a tragedy. Aaron was also unarmed. He was involved in a traffic stop in which he fled. It would appear that he also had a warrant for his arrest, but that does not justify his death. I think our scriptures today are very clear that God's way is of mercy and justice. And Aaron was a beloved child of God who deserved mercy. And where our culture encourages us to fear, God provides mercy and justice. Whatever our fears are, they are from us, from our culture, from our brokenness. Whether they're rational or not can certainly be debated, but they are not from God. Justice and mercy, they are from God. And we make the choice to resort to violence. That is not from God. That is not living into the kingdom and as Christians, that is what we're called to do, living into the kingdom. Now also this week, Roger Furlow, who's the president of Bexley Seminary uh, up in Chicago where I attend, um, he's retiring this week after over 30 years of ministry. And in a recent lecture, he discussed approaching thresholds in your life, such as retirement. And President Furlow said, when God meets you at a threshold in your spiritual life, you have a choice. You can give in to the threshold anxiety and turn back, either settling for what you have been or hoping for an easier spiritual alternative. Or you can go forward, taking the risk in faith and to boldly cross into a future with a God you know that you cannot control. You'll want to hover at the threshold just a bit, weighing your options, trusting that the Holy Spirit will guide you, but you can't hover forever because in matters of faith, even to make no choice is to choose nonetheless. And so I wonder if we are at a threshold as a community, as a society, if we didn't know there was a problem with our criminal justice system before, the death of Aaron Bailey certainly brings that fact right to our own doorstep. Now Jesus makes a deeply profound point that we start to change by individual acts of mercy, giving a glass of cold water to those who need it. But in our other texts, 
example of God in the stories of Hagar, Ishmael, and Isaac, they highlight that these individual acts are also about systemic change. Change so large that while individual acts are important, they are but just the start. And I feel that we are at that threshold now here in Indianapolis and in America. And just like President Furlow points out, we have a choice, both individually and as a community. We can go forward in faith with God. We can stay where it's safe. Now, it is encouraging to see our civic leader saying all the right things about a transparent investigation. But that didn't bring justice for Philando Castile and so many others before him. Our system needs real change, where black men do not feel terror when they are stopped, and where our system treats everyone with justice. Perhaps at one point, it might even be able to show mercy. Now, Indican, it's an organization that our congregation has been working with, some, with for some time, immediately held a rally to send the message that we in the faith community expect a transparent and fair investigation and justice for the family of Aaron Bailey. Now, as important a statement as that was, the real work of addressing these systemic issues are going to take time and they're going to take a lot of challenging work within our community. I would extend an invitation for all of us to deepen our commitment to this work, both for the immediate issue of justice for Aaron Bailey, but also for the work that our city must do to address the deep-seated systemic issues around race, economic inequality, and yes, justice. We must stand with those who have no voice and no power to participate in that process. And that's at the very heart of what community organizing is all about and what Indican holds as their true mission. You know, as, uh, as I was on my way down here this morning, there just happened to be a, an interview on being with Krista Tippett with Annette Gordon-Reed. And she's written extensively about Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings. And she made a very profound statement that nothing but the Holy Spirit on the way, way down here, honestly. And she said, you know, this type of thing only changes when white people are fed up and do something. And so it is with that that I invite us to courageously cross the threshold that we face and participate in a future that God controls and where mercy abounds and where we do something. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.